The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now, there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the one God, who is lover, beloved, and love overflowing. Well, I will admit to you, I've tended to think rather poorly of old Nicodemus. He can come across as a bumbling Peter type, one who just doesn't get it. You know, his questions seem so literal-minded. How can a person, having grown old, enter a second time into the mother's womb? And Jesus' teasing of him only adds to the impression Are you really a teacher of Israel? 
The truth, of course, is that a couple thousand years of liturgy, doctrine, prayer, and theology, and we don't get it any better than Nicodemus. Not really. And the truth, too, is that what Jesus is saying in this morning's gospel passage, as throughout all of the gospels, doesn't make a lot of sense. At least not to our rational minds, conditioned as they are with worldly values and frames of reference. What does it mean to be born from above? Or, as another translation of the Greek puts it, to be born again. Every Lent, my friends and family ask me what I'm giving up this year. And you've probably been asked or maybe have asked the same question. And I find myself more years than not saying that I'm not giving up anything. Usually for Lent, I take something on. This year, my Lenten practice is quite simple. I want to pray twice a day, which is my normal commitment to private prayer and one from which I have strayed in the busyness of the last couple of months. You see, monks have trouble praying too. I want to return to God, not in some dramatic way, not with tears and sighs, but simply and quietly, letting my daily need for God draw me closer. And not so that I'm brought face to face with my wretchedness or my wickedness, but so that my need and God's love become a kind of inhale and exhale, the one carrying gently and naturally into the other. I wonder what would happen if instead of giving up chocolate or Facebook for Lent, instead we fasted from our certainties, from our assured judgments about other people, ourselves, God, scripture, the spiritual life, prayer, politics, etc. What would happen if we prayed to God to be freed from our habitual ways of thinking and doing? What if we asked God to surprise us this Lent? Well, we might find, for instance, that Nicodemus isn't some bumbling fool, but instead a kind of Simeon or Abraham, an Anna or a Sarah. Maybe he's a faithful servant longing for the redemption of Israel, for the healing of his homeland and his people, for the fulfillment of his deepest longing to know and love God, and to be known and loved by God. Perhaps his questions to Jesus are not those of a disbelieving man of limited imagination, but the honest seeking for answers of one whose God has surprised him yet again. Maybe his voice is filled with awe or with longing, 
as he asks how truly can an old person become new again? How is any of us recreated, refreshed, renewed? How does any of us learn to see with fresh eyes and hear with unstopped ears the message of God's unbounded and unbinding love? Cynthia Bourgeau reminds us that the infallible way to extricate yourself from whatever binds you and to reclaim your home in that sheltering kingdom is simply and freely to release whatever you are holding on to, including, if it comes to it, life itself. The method of full, voluntary self-donation reconnects you instantly to the wellspring. In fact, it is the wellspring. The most daring gamble of Jesus' trajectory of pure love, she continues, may just be to show us that self-emptying is not the means to something else. The act is itself the full expression of its meaning, and it instantly brings into being a new creation. The integral wholeness of love manifested in the particularity of a human heart. Full voluntary release of whatever we are holding on to and of whatever is holding on to us. Maybe that's what it really looks like to be born again in Christ. Not only to release what we think is holding us back, from full, loving relationship with God and God's people, but to release everything we are holding on to, whether we think it's good or not. Only then will we have enough space for God to surprise us. I can't hear any part of the Abraham story without hearing Sarah's laugh a laugh that turned from bitterness to joy as she came to accept and believe that God's promise to her was true, impossible as it seemed at first. If scripture is to be believed, Abraham had little difficulty accepting God's word to him. But most of us, I think, are more like Sarah, we would rather cling to our certainty of the limits of our lives, to our assurances of what is possible and what is not. We would rather stay safe with what we know to be true about the world, ourselves, or God, rather than to be surprised by the spirit who blows wherever and whenever she will. Could it really be true that God is making all things new, even in this dark moment of our national life? Even as the world burns under a cloud of greenhouse gas? Even as we're all so painfully aware of our limitations, our needs, and our fears? Could it be that even now, 
Even here, even in this very moment, Jesus is reaching out to each of us, is calling us gently and sweetly to curl up in his womb, to be born once more. Julian of Norwich puts it this way, Our true mother Jesus, he who is all love, bears us into joy and eternal life. Blessed may he be. So he sustains us within himself in love and was in labor for the full time until he suffered the sharpest pangs and the most grievous sufferings that ever were or shall be. And at the last he died. And when it was finished, he had borne us to bliss. The mother can give her child milk to suck, but our dear mother Jesus can feed us with himself. And he does so most generously and most tenderly, with the holy sacrament, which is the precious food of life itself. The mother can lay the child tenderly to her breast, but our tender mother Jesus can familiarly lead us into his blessed breast through his sweet open side that bled for us on the cross. He who says, look how I love you. What a surprise, passing all understanding, to look into the eyes of our God, hanging from the tree of life that is also the birthing bed of our new life, and to hear her sweet whisper, Look how I love you. Yes, even you.